and welcome folks to episode 15 of the Ministry of Dice podcast. We're a UK-based podcast that talks about all things Dice Masters in the UK. I'm Chris, aka True Mr. Six, and with me today I have Andy. AKA Spanky O'Hara. <laughs> Hello, Spanky! <laughs> Spanky O'Hara. I still maintain that you've got like just some random word generator that crams two words together every every week. <laughs> I, I was watching some some choice telly and the character came up on that. Oh, right. Spanky O'Hara. Uh, that's interesting because I happen to know that your family is currently away doing half-term holiday things while you're at home working hard to keep the homestead warm. So I suppose you've got to do something to get you through the night. Uh, enough said about that. How are you doing, mate? You all right? Yes, I'm all right. Thank you very much, Andy. I'll tell you what, little known fact for the listeners, uh, I don't know if they know this, but when Andy actually won the UK Nationals last year, NASA was so impressed by the just the, the intensity of his win that they actually recalled the Voyager shuttle to add a voice recording of Andy on the golden on the golden record so that should any extraterrestrial life discover the discover the satellite, Andy would be one of the first human voices that they heard. Fact. True story, yeah. True story. So, uh, Dice Masters then, in the UK, what's been going on? So, big news this week, folks. Thor has landed. Well, well, by the time everyone's listened to this, Thor will have been out for a couple of days now, so I think people will have been receiving their pre-ordered grab feeds and draft packs and whatnot. So, how many weeks is that behind the US now? Ooh, a few. Yeah, it is a few. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we must apologise. TFC 007 has not been pulling his weight there for us, but uh, we'll get him back on the case and see what we can do about arranging some some better simultaneous releases. So that's uh, I've been playing around with my cards, filing my dice, and we'll talk a bit more about that a little bit later on in the episode. So what have you been up to, Andy? What have you been playing over this last two weeks since we last spoke to the listeners? Um, I've not really played anything, mate, if I'm honest. Oh. Um, nah, I went up to uh, to my mate's wedding. So, uh, Rob, oh yes, hi Rob, the, uh, congratulations. The the legend that is Rob Shaw. He got married last week, so a few days off work went up there. So not much gaming going on there. I did get through from uh, Stu from the reserve pool. Thank you very much, Stu. He did send me over a full common, uncommon, and rare set of Thor. So I am all thawed up. Uh, also, I've got a set of Tomb of Annihilation as well, because I've had many of those cards. So I am a fully thawed and Tomb of Annihilation up, and it is looking good. So I had a good bit of time filing away the cards, putting all the dice away. Filing the dice, yeah. Yeah, Rob, so it was a white wedding, wasn't it? Snowy. It was. It was a bit of a shock. Started off all sunny down in the south coast. By the time I got up to the Lake District, it was uh, it was freezing and snow everywhere. But beautiful day. It's very nice. Oh, very good, very good. So you and Rob didn't bust out a bit of 40k during the reception or anything? No, no, I don't think our prospective wives would have been too keen if we'd have started gaming. I think there are other things on his mind. Oh, that's a shame. See, what you need is you need one of these hashtag competitive wives like what I've got. I do. I do. <laughs> if I go anywhere near a game with my wife, she uh, she's not she's not happy. No. Okay. Well, That's you know, horse, horses for courses and all that in it. So I've uh, admittedly not been playing a great deal this last two weeks. So speaking of the hashtag competitive wife, we've not had one of our wine and games nights for a little while because work has had me traveling all over the country. If you think it was cold and snowy in the lakes, mate, you should have been north of the wall up in the up in Scotland where I was. Blow me neck, that was brassic. That was uh, icy bites of the wind there. Uh, I have managed to fit in a little bit of Dice Masters, though. So that's good times. Standing Tuesday night casual with the lads down at uh, Element Games. So we just played Modern Constructed this week. And as of the time the listeners you'll be hearing this, we'll have had an event on Saturday as well. The Ministry of Dice presents Ben's sending off with Dice Masters. Hashtag not a WKO. No, we don't get WKOs. No, we're not. We're not clearly not entitled to them. No, no WKOs. So uh, Ben, uh, our 2016 champion, is uh, emigrating away from our great, great island to go and join the colonials somewhere. 
So we're going to give him a bit of a send-off by playing lots and lots of Dice Masters. I've got a bit of sway at Element Games, so I was able to arrange the event there. Uh, but I'm doing it a little bit differently, so we're not going to have any top cuts or anything. And I've been maniacally buying superhero, turtle, Dungeons and & Dragons and Yu-Gi-Oh! related tat um, to put into a big raffle box. Um, yeah so you know promo cards are nice and they're great to receive but i wanted to make it a little bit more a bit fun and a bit different we do have some promo cards available to award on the day but to make it a little bit fun a little bit different i thought what i'd do is if you win a game you get a raffle ticket each of the items in my special true mr six mystery prize box will have a corresponding set of raffle numbers on them so if you win your round you'll get two tickets if you tie your round you'll get one ticket each if you lose both your games you won't get a ticket at all i'll give the first place the second place and the fellowship an extra raffle ticket and we'll just give away loads of really random swag i've heard that there's also some very cool ministry of dice merchandise that might be available as well yeah so we are the podcast is pitching in and sponsoring and i mean there's some ministry of dice merchandise out and about there so some people have our acrylic life counter tokens but we we splashed out on some some other bits and bobs so expect to see some mod related materials hitting a gaming table near you soon yeah so uh yeah i'm looking forward to that but uh, like i say as of as of monday when this goes out we'll have already played on saturday so keep your eye out for i might might get a i've not done a tournament report on the blog for a while i might shut one of them up a non non wko tournament report are you playing yes yes i am mate yeah yes cool. i am i'm last uh, well, I've got a very special prize for last place. I'll take a photo of that and, and post it on my Instagram or something for those who follow me on Insta. And I did that because it is quite traditional for me to come last place in these types of events. And I, and I thought it'd be nice to walk away with something for a change. Fair point. Nice. Make yourself a prize. Yeah, absolutely. Why the hell not? Yeah, I am playing. So Tim, the event manager down at Element Games, he is quite well versed with Dice Masters. And to be fair, we, we generally police ourselves when it comes to complicated rulings and interactions i am a little bit nervous about some thor cards because i uh, you know obviously it's come out this week and i was asked by a couple of players who were coming along if we were allowing it so i publicized on facebook that yes we will allow thor even though it won't have been a full week and um, by the time of the event and there are a couple of thor cards whose interactions have got me a bit nervous because i think we'll see them um so you know but we'll see what happens we'll see what people bring Oh, I know what we we did since the last time we were on, on a podcast is we tried out the Uanti Cube combo, didn't we? Oh, mate. Yes, we did. You're right. So me and Andy, we've been playing Uanti and Cube uh, over Skype, just testing it out. And it is bobbins. What a load of filth that is. It is raw bobbins. So I think we played six, six or seven games in total testing it out and uh andy you were playing the Uanti team i was playing uh what was i playing well we, uh, we were chopping and changing about, yeah we were chopping and changing about but i was broadly using my nobby team that I, that I played at the wko's last year and uh yeah i won one out of the seven games <laughs> <laughs> and i won i think about five of them in turn is it turn four Turn four at the outside, but mostly turn three. Mostly turn three. Oh, yeah, it was turn three. Yeah, so... Disgusting. It is disgusting. And what's particularly interesting, and I suppose of note to the listeners, is we paid very careful attention to some of the debate and discussion around UNT and Cube that had been going on on Facebook and looked at some of the cards and approaches that people were proposing as a counter to UNT. And the long and the short of it is... I couldn't make any of them work. Now, there's some important things to point out here. Number one, I am far from a good player. So a better player than I, who's a bit sharper than I, might be able to make it work. Number two, we've only played seven games so far. It's early doors. There might be something around buying orders that can crack it. But outside of pointing those two things out, yeah, I'm very, very afraid. Um, I was in a discussion on Facebook the other day and I just pointed out that, you know, I don't think people are wrong to point out that actually Cube is the problem, not so much you anti. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. However, 
the fact that Yuan T can come out in a set following the cube's release concerns me. It concerns me a little bit about kind of the playtesting process and what the designers over at WizKids are doing. I just what it represents. I don't think it should have even ever happened, you know. Um, but as our good friend Anthony Weakland pointed out to me, it's not their fault. We just keep figuring out how to break the game. It's a wise man. He's a wise man, yeah. And well, uh, speaking of Anthony, we'll have a few words from him later. We will. I look forward to hearing what what he has to say all the way from Detroit. Yeah. Well, actually, while we're on that note, should we talk a little bit about what we've got coming up this episode then, my man? Yes, let's do it. Yeah. So we've got the return of the gearing up segment this week. We've got a very special gearing up segment, actually, because we've been sent some storage product to review. So we'll have a little bit of chat about that and tell you about this this new product that we've uh, been introduced to. We then have pick of the week. Our pick of the week segment, and we're going to take a look at win conditions and defensive cards. And as usual, me and Andy have both picked a card in each of those pots to debate and discuss for your listening pleasure. What else? Oh, uh, we got new sets. The yes, new Justice League sets that have uh, just literally been announced as we've been uh, chatting away. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So we've got a bit of conversation about those sets. And then, as I just mentioned, we've got uh, a guest on this week. We've got Tony Weekland coming back to share some of his thoughts on the meta and what's going on in the world of Dice Masters at this moment in time. So, yeah, another fun-filled, pat-to-the-brim episode for you folks. Let's get on with the show. This is London Calling. Here is the news. Welcome back, dear, dear listener. And for this next segment, as you've just heard, it's our intention to do a community focus. It's the news. And this is breaking news. We've seen this just today as we're recording. We've seen this break over Facebook. It was the Dice Masters North website that shared it on the Dice Masters Unlimited Facebook page. Both of which you should follow and be members of if you're not already, because they're very informative sources of informative sources of information. Was what I was about to say there. Sounds right to me. <laughs> it doesn't sound all right to me, but I said it anyway. Informative sources of information, and the guys over at DM North noticed that there's been some new product announced. Woo! You didn't really go with me there on that, Andy. Woo! Should we? Try? Well, let's try it again. There's yeah. been some new product announced. Woo! Oh, you sod. What? I'm just out on a cheery limb. I thought I sounded quite cheery. Okay, well, we'll let the listeners decide. So the new product, it's um, another campaign box and tomb team packs, which I think is interesting. And it's DC Comics IP, and the campaign box is called Justice, and the team packs are called Doom Patrol, and DC, is it Mystics? Yeah, Mystics. Mystics, yeah. Which is really interesting. So we wanted to have a little bit of a chat about that. So how excited are you feeling, Andy, about another campaign box on the horizon? Yeah, it's supporting the new kind of LCG format that we spoke about uh, two episodes ago. There's no mention of any draft product. It's all the campaign box and the team pack. So get your rumours going about that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. That's the third set now where they've followed this non-blind model that they've been talking about um, and that they've lined up for the 40k uh, Battle for Ultramar and the Avengers Infinity stuff. So that's cu- that's curious signs, could be a signal of, of more of this non-blind product to come. Just on that note, if you are interested in knowing and understanding more about our thoughts and feelings about that, we've got a podcast episode, as Andy mentioned two episodes ago, where we talk about that in detail. Uh, and there's been a few blog posts on the BritRoller6.com blog where I've shared some of those ideas. Uh, and just this week, I've, I've put a post out about the LCG format and comparing it to the Fantasy Flight game model for those who aren't familiar with with that terminology that we that people have been loosely throwing around in this in this debate uh so yeah it's really interesting it, it perhaps is a sign of of times to come i'm particularly excited that it's a dc set i think we've been we've had quite a bit of marvel for a while haven't we now yeah i don't think we've had dc since batman have we uh there was the I... superman wonder woman starter oh yeah yeah, but then we had two Marvel big box, well, three Marvel big boxes. You got Thor, X Men, and uh, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. We've had the Tomb of Annihilation stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Spider Man team pack as well. 
think so. Mm, yeah, maybe someone out there yeah. will, will know the the chronology of that better than we than we obviously can recall here and now. It's been um, ages. Yeah, it's absolutely been ages since there's been a, a, some DC product out there. Uh, and I'm a big DC fan. I've, I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I've certainly mentioned it on the blog. So I'm quite excited that it's a DC set. And I'm particularly excited as well because it's based on, well, it appears to be based on Alex Ross's Justice miniseries, which is... Um, well, Alex Ross is a bit of a legend, really, in the comic book world. Most notable, well, he's notable for a number of reasons, but mainly his artwork, which is clearly a, a focus of the card game's card art. Um, notable for a number of reasons, Andy. Do you know why Alex Ross is notable? I think it's because of his Justice storyline. It's a little bit like Justice League, but it's not. It's like its own standalone thing. Uh, so you're only saying that because I mentioned it to you before we started recording, but that's not why Alex Ross is so notable, as a matter of fact. Um, so his artwork is often looked at and considered carefully because he has a, a high level of attention to detail and has that kind of photorealistic you probably know more about this than me, being an artist. Um, that fo- photorealistic kind of attention to detail stuff, which is quite unique in superhero comics, because you know they're, usually they're just like humongoloid man gods that could never ever be, you know. So, so that's quite notable. Also, he still paints. He paints his artwork. So the the comic book process, as I understand it, is you you know you have a penciler who kind of sketches out the artwork, then you get the inker and the colorist to kind of follow along behind, and the inker will then kind of d- darken up and deepen the lines of the sketches, and then the colorist, usually using the computer, I believe nowadays, will color in the artwork. Uh, Alex Ross still paints. He paints yeah. all his artwork. Yeah, looks nice. Looks very painterly. Mm, yeah, so we, we've had some Alex Ross artwork before. I think there was a, uh, and again, I'm sure some listener out there will correct me if I'm wrong, but we had a Joker alt art card. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. It's just the full face. Yeah, that's right. That was an Alex Ross piece of work. And then the Alfred from uh, the World's Finest with the bat cowl. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he's Alex Ross. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's notable because he still paints his artwork. So, yeah, very well known. I believe, actually, I could be wrong. And again, I'm sure someone will leap in and let me know that whether I've got this wrong or not. But he's a gauche painter. I'm sure I read that somewhere once. Nice. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? Um, you might be talking about gouache, which I'd probably pronounce wrong, but it's a type of paint. Yeah, that sounds right. Hopefully I got that right. Got a degree in it. I would hope so, too. Yeah, so he he stands apart from the crowd sometimes with his deep attention to detail yeah. and and Let's the painting. Take ages. So he did like the whole comic book as a painting. So uh, I'm not sure really. Actually, I haven't ever engaged any more deeply than that. I've just that I've just communicated <laughs> the depth of my understanding <laughs> that I've I've read about him on IGN and I've read his work. I've read Kingdom Come and I've read Justice. I think yeah, so. One thing I do know is when Justice first came out. A lot of his stuff comes out bi-monthly rather than monthly. You know, comic books often have a monthly rotation. Yeah. Alex Ross's stuff comes out every two months, and I wonder if that may, in some part, explain how long it takes him to paint it up. Um, you'd, you'd have to look that up, mate. I don't know about the process, but very notable. And I'm quite excited to see what the artwork is on the cards. I think the artwork on the cards would be good. Um, plus dc i love dc characters doom patrol is a really really exciting quirky interesting uh, team in the dc intellectual property and dc universe they originally put together by grant morrison who's very well known for dreamy trippy out there stuff so that that'll be interesting to see and i think the the mystics so there's a shazam or captain marvel as he's otherwise known is is (laughs) quite a significant character is that as in Marvel Marvel? No. Oh, okay. But he's there's a whole mystical thing because he's got the power of the gods and he's a boy, he's called Billy Batson and he gets given these powers. <laughs> it's called what? Billy Batson. And he, he gets given, he, he's been given these magical powers by some ancient dude and he says, he shouts Shazam! And he turns into Captain Marvel. Sounds wrong, that does. So it's, it's a boy called Billy Batson Batson, yeah, who gets given mystical powers by an old man, yeah. Okay, um, so justice. 
So, Justice, yeah, so it's very well-known, highly respected miniseries in the DC universe. It has a lot of the classic DC characters, but it also has some really cool, more obscure people involved in the storyline, like the Doom Patrol, like the Metal Men, like the, the Marvel family, uh, because it's not only Captain Marvel, but there's like he's got a sister, and then there's Black Adam, who's already had a card in the set. He's part of the, the, uh, the Shazam marvel mythology there so some really cool characters to come and when you get cool characters you get cool game texts and and the fact that it's dc so i'm really quite excited about it and i'm just now interested to see what further product announcements are made beyond this because that's now clearly well every piece of product that's lined up for the foreseeable future is non-blind isn't it it is it's very strange that after two massive draft releases we're all concerned that there's not going to be any more draft releases. And literally, we just had a massive, like, four this week come out. Mm. But we're all alarm bells. Oh, there's not going to be any more draft anymore. Well, it would be it would yeah. be it would be nice if uh, Justin, if you're listening, it would be nice if you could just give us a heads up on the future of non-blind products. We at the Ministry of Dice are quite indifferent, but I think there's people out there in the fan base who would who would like to see. Plus, you know, the guys over at the Reserve Pool have talked in the past about cubes which i don't know a lot about um but i think it's like a magic the gathering style of drafting so there, there may be a future for drafting it just takes a different approach i don't know let's mm, close your eyes just pick some cards around and out yeah like, sure <laughs> yeah put, put them on a pin board and throw darts and just take the one that you hit there's your answer right there you heard it here first yeah because there ain't none of them going to be a high value super rare is it so you might as well just just go for it yeah, true. And then if you have to buy like two corsets like you do with the fantasy fight stuff, you can have loads left over. <laughs> Dishing them out like Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a nice bit of comic book knowledge there. Well done, my man. Yeah, I like the cartoons when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Theme song was legendary. It was. He's from New Orleans. He is from New Orleans, yes. Check that out. That's two bits of knowledge I got in there. Mic drop, and he's out. Boom! Boom. So there you go, folks. Keep your eyes open for the new DC campaign box and team packs. On to the next segment. Welcome back, folks. And now we have the return of our gearing up segment. And it's a bit of a different gearing up segment, this one, isn't it, Andy? It is, it is, because... We got sent some free stuff. I know, it's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> Finally, our celebrity status starts to reap rewards. <laughs> Six months of dribbling on, and we finally got sent some free stuff. Yeah. Take note, Justin. Take note. <laughs> yeah, send us some stuff to review. Yeah. Before everyone else, give me an exclusive. I want one now. Anyway... Uh, yeah, so we got sent some free stuff. So we have today in our gearing up segment, uh, we're going to talk storage, but we're going to talk specifically about this beautiful laser cut wooden storage box that we were sent by Optical Power Limited. Ooh, indeed. Yeah, so the gearing up segment goes into a whole new phase. We're not just going to talk loosely about kind of gearing up and blinging up our dice masters experience we're actually going to do a review check us out i know it's exciting times exciting times rodders yeah so yeah optical power limited do a range of laser cut storage solutions for a number of games one of which is dice masters they do two boxes one is dice and card storage and the other is just dice storage we are reviewing specifically the dice storage one however um, i'm sure the standards quality and practices that we've seen evident in this one will also be equally evident in the card and dice storage version too so where to begin, Andy? Where do we start by uh, reviewing such a product? Maybe I should well, research some product reviews before we did this. Probably should. I'd like to say a big thank you to Dave Sheldrake, who is the man of Optical Power Limited, who sent us the, the, the boxes to review. He runs the company along with Brian Tuttle and Terry Thomas. So thank you very much, guys. Should we do like pros and cons? Well, yes, we shall. But I thought, shall I describe it first? It's probably a good idea. Yeah, probably a good idea. So it's uh, a tall box 
outer box that has space to hold five wooden trays uh, and each of these wooden trays then have a dice width divider across it creating one two three four five six seven eight nine ten dice rows i'm cut i'm literally got it in my hand right now which is why i'm counting so you have your outer box your laser cut wooden outer box with that that wonderful kind of freshly cut wood smell which i must say is possibly more enjoyable than it should be um <laughs> just just sat on a live audio recording sniffing wood i suppose i could be sniffing other things and it then has a lidded top on it which has a lovely well it looks like glass but it's not what, what would you call that plastic uh, perspex thank you that's the word i'm looking for uh with an engraved dice master's symbol on it and some nice nice lovely little trimming to give it a bit of bit of decoration there and it has space to hold how many dice does it have space to hold andy i forget now it is a thousand dice it's 200 per tray five trays thousand dice yeah which is a pretty impressive um pretty impressive indeed although i'm sure it wouldn't surprise anyone to know that i filled it far too quickly <laughs> yeah i fill mine <laughs> and still got many more to fill so i might be tapping them up for more yet so yeah that's, that's the kind of brief overview i will do a companion post as i as i always do when we do a gearing up and i'll provide some photos for y'all to take a look at so there you go there's the description now should we get into the pros and cons Let's do it. What should we do first? Should we do pros first or cons first? Well, should we start with the low and go to the high? That's yeah, that sounds better. Okay. Okay, let's start with the cons then. Let's let's start with the the critical feedback. Yes. Um, so one thing of note that impacted me, I think the more than it impacted you, Andy. You know where <laughs> I'm going with this, don't you? Yeah, I do now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that it arrives flat packed? It's it's not. Uh, you have to construct it yourself. Which in largely is okay, except for the fact that it started to involve like wood glue and stuff. And I am just simply not practically programmed that way. I'm just not. And when I opened it up, I now realise that it's quite obvious which bits go where. But when I first opened it up, I was like, what is going on here? Where does that bit go? How does this bit fit in there? Uh, I was particularly perplexed by the perspex lid. Do you like that? I like that. That's very good. Yeah, and how that how that came together that that challenged me somewhat. Anyway, I was over at my mum and dad's, and my dad has one of those garages that is just equipped for any practical eventuality. Unlike me, my garage is not such equipped. My garage is full of gaming supplies, and so me, my dad, and my cousin's boyfriend sat down and they helped me glue it all together. See, <laughs> as a grown man, you got your dad to do it for you. Yeah, you bet. One hundred percent. 100%. But, you know, uh, joking aside, I would have liked to have seen just a little bit of something that made that process a bit quicker, a bit slicker, <clears throat> a bit easier for me to get my head around. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I bought the, one of their boxes probably about six months ago. It's a big one. It's similar to Builders, this is for the Arkham Horror LCG game. And when I, that came through Flatpak, and I was like, I've no idea where to start. Um, when you start to kind of put the pieces and you, you work out what they are, it, it is relatively straightforward to put it together. But a little kind of sheet of paper just saying, these are the bits you should have, and this is kind of how you do it, is probably a good idea. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because I didn't know. Uh, if I was missing a piece, I wouldn't have known until you know, I was into the building process. So, so that was one piece of critical feedback that immediately sprung to my mind. However, that that didn't, you know, individuals such as yourself, Andy, who've spent many years gluing together models, building, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, stuff for your battlefields. Scenery. Thank you, scenery. Uh, and the like, it, it was probably much less of a, uh, a challenge for you than it was for me. Yeah, it's quite intuitive. The pieces, you kind of can work out where they go. You know, once you get your head around it. So, yeah, it's not too bad if you've got kind of an idea of some form of DIY skills. It's it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. I would like it to be a little bit more akin to IKEA furniture. <laughs> yeah. And the, the pieces as well, they do fit together really, really cleverly. They're very well measured. There's not uh, – I don't think I've got or had any bits which are slightly off, so you're trying to kind of 
cut a little bit away or file a bit down it all fits very smoothly together which um i suppose is computers in it but uh it's very very clever and it, you know, it's so many things you buy and they don't actually fit together properly so that's quite nice yes yeah it, absolutely yeah, i'd agree with that i mean i've had laser cut product for different types of things you know debt boxes and the like um and i've always found there'd be a little niggle here or there like you say a bit don't quite line up or it's not smooth edged i can't fault these guys it's it's really neatly and tightly put together in that respect so despite my challenges putting it together it does come together very very well yeah so the the trays what are your thoughts about the the, the dice tray Oh, well, I flip-flopped over the top dice trays. My initial reaction was it's more than what I need for a set. And it said the OCD alarm bell was ringing. Like, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a set in there and it looks very nice. Although, obviously, your dice come in fours. So, and it's 10 per row. So, you've got four, eight, 12, 16, 17, 18. Actually, no, it does. Actually, two, three, four. Let's hold on a second whilst I just count. So a, f- a full set. Twenty. This is size for. There's more than twenty can get in the row. Um, a full set. I've got a full set of dice. Uh, this is on the assumption of four dice per card, um, uh, except for the super rares where I've got single dice. And you can get a full set in eight of the ten rows. Yeah. So it leaves two, two left, two empty. But but this is when I did the the flip flop on it because. You've got the starter sets. You've got the team packs that you can you can eke into the to the bottom two rows. So like on my one, the top one's got the four set in. Thank you, Stu. And then the last two rows, I've got maximum carnage along with a couple of little OP dice, and I've got blue eyes and PXG as well, just because it's on the top. So <laughs> <laughs> it does actually work out quite nicely. So you can basically you can fit a full set with a bit of wiggle room. And you can also get in a team pack or a starter set in there as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm uh, that OCD just doesn't bother me at all. So, I'm, <laughs> although I have done the same, I've I've topped up with team packs and starter set dice. Uh, I was a little bit initially a bit like, oh, these the the channels in which the dice fit are quite loose, aren't they? There's a lot of wiggle room inside the channels. I was like, oh, they're rattling around a lot. But actually, as, as I've uh, taken dice out and put dice in and sort of had the trays around when I've been building teams and whatnot, uh, that wiggle room is actually really useful, isn't it? <laughs> to get yeah, yeah. in and out of the actual box. Yeah. Get your finger in to pull out individual dice. Have you, have you got them all on the same face? I bet you haven't, have you? No. No, don't be silly. Uh, let's post up some photos. Mine looks beautiful. It's got all the dice are in, on level three. On level three. Uh, well, actually, though, looking at the four dice, to my credit, and you'll appreciate this, I have at least got them all on character face. That's a start. I have at least, yeah, I've got them all on character face, which uh, is a start indeed. Oh, and the X-Men are all on character face. Check me out. Good work. I've got mine loosely in colour order as well. Oh, no, you don't want to look at... Ah, well, I've gone a step further there, mate. Check me out. Mine are alphabetical. Ooh. I like that idea. Uh, yeah, to, well, to be fair, actually, that so while alphabetical might appeal to you because of your OCD-ness, it was just because I was putting the dice in in the order on my sidekick app. <laughs> 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 so, so it wasn't it wasn't actually an intentional, like, oh, I'm going to file these alphabetical. It was because all the dice I filed in the box were in a disorganized mess, and I was separating them out in, in order, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the wiggle room uh, and the space, some might find a little frustrating. It doesn't bother me too much, but others it might it might get on irk a little bit. And there is a bit of side-to-side wiggle room as well, which if you like your dice sort of tightly contained and packed in, and then the channels could be a bit loose for your taste. But again, it doesn't, it doesn't bother a loosey-goosey type like me. No, it keeps them pretty, um, well, when you've got it in the box with the lid on. Oh, yeah. They, they, there's no jiggling around or getting mixed up together they are in that spot and even though the, the whole lot on the row might go up and down they're not going past each other they're not mixing into different rows are they no no absolutely not i agree uh, i had a very close call with my little girl nearly knocking it over though i was like <laughs> whoa that would have been absolute chaos 
But there you go. So, uh, yeah, the trays. I like the look of the trays. They seem to do the job as much as any collector box will do. In terms of accessibility as well, the, the trays are stacked on top of each other. And what what I'm uh, one thing I did notice that impressed me was that they've done uh, a cutaway into the sides of the outer box so that you can slide in the trays in and out is super convenient. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice. So I was quite pleased and impressed with that. Um you're not trying to sort of wiggle them out. They put these little cutaways in, which I thought was a clever little touch. These guys clearly made these types of boxes before. They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's thought out, isn't it? So you can get your finger in there and pull out the different uh, your, your trays one after the other. Yeah. So so that was a nice little touch there. And then, as you say, uh, with the lid on top, actually, it's a firm fit. It's snug, so you're not seeing too much movement. I think if you, uh, it's not the kind of thing you would maybe just chuck loosely in the boot of the car because if the lid did come off. Um, it's, yeah. it's not strapped down or anything. Or maybe that maybe there's a suggestion for the future. Put latches on it or something. Yeah, or little kind of poppers or something that you can secure it into place just so you, you can carry it around or you know, put it in the boot of the car without worrying that you're going to have a rain of dice when you open the boot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then I've got one note, which is actually not my review note, but my wife's, the, the hashtag competitive wife, has got a review note for, for the dear listener, if you're all interested. So uh, her feedback is that I've managed to fit five sets of dice in a, about a quarter of the collector's box size space <laughs> that the collector's boxes are taking up, which she clearly appreciates in terms of household storage space so if you can imagine five collector's boxes stacked on top of each other i've managed to significantly reduce the amount of space they're taking up which she seems to appreciate that's good isn't it? yeah well i i really like it. it it's um i think you're going to need more than one if you're collecting all the sets or if you're just kind of having your modern dice accessible that's because i've i've got deep archived my uh, golden stuff now and just kind of the the modern stuff but even so i think you're going to need two yes yeah well uh possibly more than that so yeah i suppose it depends i, I mean i'm playing at a store where we regularly put golden events on so i, I may need, even have to strain to a third i'm certainly um i said to uh, the good lady her indoors i'm certainly considering buying a second one at this stage now how much are they at recommended retail price Let's have a look. The all dice one, which we've got, which is the Dice Masters CV Ultra, is £39.99. It's available worldwide. Yes, that's important to note as well. That was something I asked you, wasn't it, Andy? Was whether they ship worldwide, and they do, in fact. Um, And they can get two boxes across to you for the same postage cost as one, which is pretty cool, too. So, yeah, overall, I'm pretty impressed, actually. I, I was all up for, like, you know... First ever review, hardcore critical considerations, uh, and I've actually kind of fallen in love with it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the, the, the big things for me is that it's got the, the Perspex bit on the top, so you put the lid on. I'm just going to put the lid on mine, and you can see all the dice underneath. Gives it a nice look as opposed to uh, just a, a solid box, which is nice. Uh, yeah, a bit of a bit of flavour and a bit of character. Yeah, I agree. Although my perspective is quite loose in it, in the lid. Is it? Yeah, I don't think that's a design flaw, though, so much as it is user error. Is it? I blame your dad for that one. Yeah, I'll have a word with him later. <laughs> give, him, give him a ring. Yeah, uh, Yeah. so the Optical Laser Limited Dice Masters storage box gets a miniature nice thumbs up from me. Or Optical Power Limited. Yeah, all those guys, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I would recommend it. I mean, it's funny because when we did our gearing up storage, one thing that we did have a moan about was the fact that, that with the discontinuing of the collector's boxes, we didn't have a nice solution to store our dice. And there's the B boxes and the, the kind of perspex lunch boxy type things didn't really show them off very well. But lo and behold, this crops up, which does the job very, very nicely which I thought maybe they were listening, but it probably won't. Who knows? We'll see. But in case they are, and if anyone is interested, the web address to go and take a look at their stuff is OPLaser. That's spelt with an S. So O-P-L-A-S-E-R 
.co.uk. That's got, that's got all their products on there as well, actually, if you want to take a look at the Arkham Horror Boxes that Andy mentioned before as well. Tell them we sent you, somehow. I don't know. Is there... <laughs> <laughs> so, specifically, take the time and energy to send them an email after receipt of the product to point out that we sent you. I don't know, maybe because maybe then they'll give us more free stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, if anyone's interested, we yeah, I think it's a recommendation from me. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really good. It's a lot less in size than having the separate collector's boxes, of which you can't get them anymore for certainly the most recent sets. So it's definitely a good addition to a lot of waffling that I'm doing now. Okay, very good. Okay then, well, uh, on that note, We'll wrap it up there. We hope you enjoyed listening to our first ever Gearing Up review. If there is anyone out there who does produce products and would like us to take a look at it and mention it on the podcast, we love receiving free things. Yeah, send us free stuff. We will shamelessly admit that we want free stuff. So tap us up on Facebook or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram or go to the blog and drop us a comment in the comment section on the blog post that's advertising this podcast. In the meantime, we'll come back and do some more Gearing Up stuff in the future. On to the next set. And we're back. And this time now, it's the Pick of the Week segment. Cue Andy Squeaky Voice jingle now. Pick of the Week. So, regular listeners will recall that a couple of episodes ago, we did a modern Pick of the Week where we talked about some modern meta cards that we had our eye on. We talked specifically about ramp cards and janky game texts we'd like to do the same again this week do a modern pick of the week and we're going to look at meta cards once again and this time we're going to talk about win conditions and defensive cards good defensive cards and we've picked one of each each to discuss on the segment now so without further ado let's get into it so andy do you want to kick us off with your win condition choice please oh my win condition of course i can do that so my win con is the basic action card team up yeah very popular at the moment team up i think i think it is the new version of bard yeah that's yeah that's a pretty reasonable statement actually so i've been playing out and about and i'm seeing it quite a bit around i've seen it add value i think in the same way that bard added value to just teams uh, a win condition but also a value add in his own right team up kind of works in the same way doesn't it it does it does let me read out the uh, the text mm. uh, so it's four cost basic action each of your character dice get plus one attack and plus one defense for each different affiliation amongst your active character dice minus one until the end of turn the, the reason i say it's similar to bark is because you do a very similar thing as you did with a good bar team, which was you had your defensive characters that you brought in, your cheap disruptions, so your elf thief, oracle, dwarf wizard, uh, your more kind of disruptive elements that came in, slow your opponent down. They weren't really that strong because they haven't got really great attack. Then you whacked in the bard, he made everything a massive heavy hitter, and then you smack in with, with a load of damage. And this is... Is something akin to kind of what we've seen with modern, with the likes of HXG, which is PXG, but a bit more balanced. Uh, I think this does make it certainly more balanced because it's a basic action dice, so your timing has got to be right. You've got to have all your pieces in place. Yeah. You've got to keep keep them in place. Yeah. And get that action out at the right turn. Your opponent can get their hands on it. Exactly. So if they um, they've got something similar, so they've got some disruptive elements along with the win con, then they can go berserk and have a massive attack on you if you're not careful. So yeah, it's got those kind of plus points, but also it's not as kind of plug and play as bard. Whereas you, you literally went elf thief, oracle, bard, imprisoned win there's a bit more um, thought behind it there are ways you can defend against it be it with a cheeky scarlet witch to disrupt action dice blink transmutation action which i know that you're a massive fan of yeah on every team ever mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh but yeah i mean I've been what, what, are you trying to, what are you trying to say phg boy <laughs> i can't use phg anymore <laughs> it's all about the xxg uh which i now own Woo. So yeah, I mean, I've been playing with it with my uh, team that I'm tuning at the moment, which has got loads of different affiliations in, especially the cards which have two affiliations, things like Gorilla Grodd, the new Scarlet Witch, yeah. Ultraman, although I've not tried it on an Ultraman team yet, but that would be fun, especially if you can get a few Kryptonites out, because you would be immediately pumping up your attack and defense of everything. With cards with like two affiliations on, you can really start ramping up some attack damage. So yeah, that is my pick of the week. 
yeah, I think you made a great choice there, mate. There's a couple of notes that I just want to add on the end there. So this whole idea of you could build a control team or you can well, you can build any kind of team, really. And team up can be a nice, either your primary win condition or it can be your secondary win condition there. It can give a control team some punch or it could be a backup addition to uh, another win condition. Just something else that I've noticed playing against it lately is that I've seen a variety of teams use it. As, as part of their win condition, which I think is nice. Like you say, it's not as plug-and-play as, as the Bard. But it's the fact that it adds not just to the attack, but to the defence as well. Yeah, things that are getting blocked are usually going back. Yeah, which bothers me no end when I'm facing it, you know, because you can't then regroup for your turn <laughs> as well. You know what I mean? Which I think is, is interesting. And I, and I got beaten by a team-up team a, a few weeks back, and it was just that relentless, just assault of, of dice coming across the field and smashing face but then as you say going back i couldn't even though i was blocking it and preventing the damage coming through i couldn't actually remove the dice myself because their defense was so high so yeah great choice absolutely and i think we'll see more from team up this season and i think it'll have a place in the nationals definitely very good okay would you like to know my win pick of the week Let's have your win comp pick of the week, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to be a bit boring. Anyone who plays around these parts and has played me regularly will know that I've been working with this card and trying to make this card work in a way that suits me for a while. My choice is Norman Osborne. Don't call me Gobby. Uh, he's a three-cost fist. He's a villain, a Hydra villain, and uh, his game text reads, When fielded, Norman Osborne deals one damage to your opponent for each villain character die in the field zone, yours and your opponent's. And his stats are 1-2-1, one, 1-3-2, one, one, and one three so yeah there we go norman osborne so it's never been a secret i talk about it a lot i'm a big fan of direct damage strategies so a card like norman osborne was always going to stand out to me when he came along uh, i must admit i was just really chuffed to pull him when i opened my guardian feed and so i, st- I just made teams because you do don't you you just get oh i've got this really cool super rare i'm gonna try and make some use of it and i've been working with him on and off ever since and it's just the potential to do either a 20-point hit or, if you're like me, you like doing your little 1,000 cut attacks. You can just relentlessly fire damage down the field. I like that it's villain-centric because I think there's lots going on in the villain space that can synergize really well with that as a win condition. He's cheap to buy at three cost. He's cheap to field at one fielding, really, for what he does. Yeah, he's just a good all-rounder, I think. He is. I think you use him particularly well with the collector that you spoke about on our last pick of the week. Explain to them how you abuse that combo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, the collector, he's when he's active, once per turn, so you can do it in your turn and in your opponent's turn, you can pay the purchase cost of a character with a deduction of two, making essentially making Nobby come for one fist and field that character at level one uh it goes back to your card at the end of the turn but by that point nobby's done his work so one of the things that made blue eyes white dragon such a popular card with his KOing global uh, back in the day was that when fielded effects you could ko your dice put them in prep so you can refield them the next turn what the collector allows me to do is field it, do the damage and put it back on the card and essentially create the same effect for me. The beauty of it, though, is that not only can I deliver the damage in my turn, I can deliver the damage in my opponent's turn as well. Yeah, for just a fist. For just a fist, yeah. And, and also what I'm noticing is in this day and age, because it includes my field and my opponent's field, villains are just everywhere. Yeah, there's not a shortage of villains with Shriek and Blob that I'm speaking about later. Yeah, Scarlet um, Witch... Uh, Gorilla Grodd, you know, there's just lots of popular villains that are getting extensive use right now. Yeah, it's a killer. There's also um, Danger Room. Yeah, so I've, I've been playing the team around Danger Room. I've also got my eye on the Uncommon Malekith, who makes sidekicks villains as well. I think that's that's a space I'll be experimenting with uh, alongside Nobby now that Thor's arrived on these shores. So I, th- I think I'm going to have a little play around in that space as well. So yeah, he's just he's cheap, he's cheerful. He does the damage. I like to play him in a kind of, you know, fire him out every turn, hit a three, hit a four, hit a three, hit a four, bam, 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 you know, with maybe a, uh, a danger room swing mid or late game to, to finish the opponent off. But I know I know that people have been playing around with using him like with Adam Warlock to double up damage or the new absorbing man that copies when fielding effects. Again, I don't know. Uh, those who've had their hands on the Thor set already might have played around in that space. So it's a win condition that needs quite a bit of protecting. So there's a lot of when fielded hate 
Wonder Woman from the Superman Wonder Woman starter set springs to mind and Madam Mask both target when fielded effects yeah, clearly there's a lot of blanking there's the, the whole blanking minigame going on in the meta right now as well that will target things like Norman Osborn right out the gate in fact one of the challenges I've, I've used the phrase trying to make the team work is that everybody loves a first turn street purchase and everybody loves to target Norman Osborn with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah although Collector is a good shout as well when uh, he's firing uh, Nobby's and at least Nobby's got a cycle or you've got to try and get him out of the field again. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you're right. If uh, Shrieking My Collector doesn't, bothers me less, uh, you know, I've just got to actually buy my Norman Osborns. <laughs> Who does that? And the Danger Room, the fact that it's got a, a damage, direct damage global that targets villains means that uh, on his level one or his level two, where his defense is one and two respectively, I can get him in prep and re- yeah, I can go old school. Um, can go old school with it. Um, but uh, a lot of people have figured that out and they go straight for the Norman Osborne. He keeps getting shrieked, shrieked and blobbed. So it's a it's a win condition that you have to protect. And then there's stuff like Bishop out there, who I want to talk about in a moment as my defensive card. So it's a fun one to play. I think it's competitive, but it's probably down to a greater mind than I to really take it to the, the heady heights that it's got the potential to go to. But I have fun with it. I enjoy it. Cool. It's definitely a good team that you've built around him. Yeah, it just needs a better player playing it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Okay, great. So that's our two uh, win condition picks of the week. So let's move into our defensive picks of the week then. Uh, shall I start this time? Uh, yeah, please do. Okay, well, while I'm on the subject of direct damage, I've just I've just alluded to him then. Uh, my pick of the week for defensive cards is Bishop Butterfly Effect. He's uh, a rare from the X-Men First Class set. He's a five-cost shield. He has the X-Men affiliation. And his game text reads, While Bishop is active, prevents all non-combat damage dealt to you. And his stats are 125, 136, and 256. So, this guy's just a beast. Yeah, he is a legendary good card. Yeah, I mean, I know some people are sceptical about him, and I understand why, because his purchase cost is quite high at five, so he's hard to reach for when you've got lots of cheap direct damage strategies going on at the moment. And the two-cost fielding at level three can be a bit painful when you're trying to get him out in a hurry. So I understand that. But as a guy who plays direct damage strategies and loves direct damage strategies, I have seen this card lock a team down in an instant and be a real pest to get rid of. And I've also used him myself to lock teams down as well. He's just he's just awesome. He is cool. He is cool. He's a little bit less effective against those annoying cards that can do damage to character or player. Yeah, that's true. So I have encountered that. People have just kind of re-strategized, started to ping off my characters. One nice thing about Bishop is he's got some pretty hefty back-end defense stats at 5-6-6. Six, six, so he's not easy to shift with those types of cards. But th- that said, I'd be lying if I didn't point out that people have managed to shift him. Yeah, he can often be the target of a kryptonite or a cold gun as well. I've seen that happen <laughs> when I've been using him to get him out of the way. So, well, he's balanced, I suppose, is the point there. He's, he is well balanced. You can work around him if you were inclined to do so. But if you can get him out quick enough, he can really lock people's strategies down, definitely. Yeah, quality card. Mm, absolutely, yeah. So I don't think there's much more else to say. Like I said, uh, And he doesn't do stuff, I mean, clearly he doesn't help you out with combat damage. You, you have to find some other way of defending yourself. Combat he's a big damage. tap, though, isn't he, for a blocker? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And he has come in handy before now as a blocker because he's hard to shift. I suppose with like your, your anti-cheese with doing loads of damage with the cube, you're still diverting that damage away from you. So there at least was he. He's, what's his defense? Five six. Five six. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's a couple of hits that it's, he's going to have to take in order for you to take damage from the next lot. So it's not too bad. I mean it, it does his job. Yeah, it's just that five cost. He's hard to get out yeah. uh, as quickly as, as others would like. And I think as the aggressive damage cards are getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, and as you say, can be more spammy cheese, he as a defensive card could be considered expensive. So, you know, I'm, I'm putting that out there because I think he might not be for everyone. But I have used him to great effect, and I have had him used against me to great effect, and therefore he's my pick of the week. Very nice. My turn, my turn, my turn. Yeah, go ahead. Cool. So my defensive pick of the week is the rare blob. Hey. From the uh, 
X-Men first class set. Uh, he is, let's give you the rundown first. He is a forecast. His subtitle is Appetite for Destruction. He is a villain and a Magneto's helmet affiliation. What's that? The Brotherhood of, Mut- of Evil Mutants. That affiliation. His ability is when fielded, choose an opposing card, cancelling all previous choices. Your opponent may not purchase or field that card's dice until Blob leaves the field zone. And he is 151618. And he is a tank to try and get out of the, <laughs> the field. Yeah. Um, he is good. From playing against him and limited, admittedly, playing with him, I think you need to get him out pretty quick. And you can stop a lot of the cheap, spammy, uanti, guy gardenery crap yeah. from being thrown at you. And then suddenly, you know, they can't buy all the guy gardeners. They might buy one, maybe two, but you're limiting in what they can do to get at you. If they're attacking and it goes through, they can't field it again anyway. So suddenly there's stuff they can't use. And getting rid of him is bloody hard work because he's got well, five, six, eight, and he always either rolls energy or in his top face. That just seems to be how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the design of the dice or whatever, but it is literally, it's either double energy or level three. And so he just sits there and it's like, it's an eight. So what, you want to ping him eight times to get him off the field? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? and, it, and that he makes for a great blocker as well in that respect. If you get some hefty damage coming your way down the field, he can soak it up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's like attacking with a Grod. Because Grod's, is it 6-7? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so on his top face, he's a 7. So you can just block an overcrushing Grod and come back to the field again. It's massively, massively annoying for stopping a, a lot of stuff. He's he's a big, big card. He's a very, very good card. Yeah, uh, one thing that I've noticed using him is that, I say noticed using him, uh, one, one advantage I found using him, is that he doesn't just target a character, he targets opposing cards. yeah. Wonder Woman. You're thinking Wonder Woman and Raven. Wonder Woman. It'd be just Raven, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Wonder Woman cut off his when fielded effects. But actually, what I was more thinking about was actions. Yes. So yeah. I, I have had him stopping for my opponent from buying cold guns because I don't want them shooting my stuff. Um, I have actually managed to blob a cosmic cube before now. So my opponent only managed to get one bought before I got it blobbed and to keep that stacking nastiness out of my face. You know. So that's mm. something worth considering as well. Is that you can you can hit an action card as well. Yeah, and I'm sure we will see more and more of him as games progress along to Nationals. Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a great defensive card, and I've been using him quite a bit myself. I still need to get him. I haven't actually got him. Proxied him a couple of times, but... Haven't I got yours? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got one for you. Pop it in the post. Oh, is it not? Oh, no. Did you forget to put it in the post to me with the rest of the stuff? Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> I think I might have done. <laughs> I'll check my swaps box later, but I think I might not put him in. So there you go. There's uh, a couple of win condition picks of the week. And there's a couple of defensive card picks of the week. So we'll come back to modern meta picks of the week in the coming weeks and months. So keep your ears open for new segments on that. We'll, we'll find a, another angle to come at it from. But in the meantime, give those a go. See how, how you get on and let us know in the comments if we're right, if we're wrong. <laughs> Just let it all out. Let's let's find out. Let's see where you're at. Uh, okay, thanks. Anything else to add, Andy? No, uh, no. Nope, nope. We'll wrap this segment up there then. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, all good things must come to an end. And this brings us to a close of yet another episode of the Ministry of Dice. Lots of content there. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed recording it. We really appreciate you guys taking the time to come and listen to what we put together. I've been Chris, a.k.a. True Mr. Hey, Chris. Oh, yeah. Hi. Yeah, Tony, you're okay. Are we going to talk today? Oh, mate. So. Oh, no. I, mate, I can't apologise enough, but it's happened again. We're kind of we're kind of reaching the the sort of top end of what of our hour limit. Um, okay. We're not going to fit it in. Yeah, we're not going to fit it in today. Yeah. Okay. Do you think? So, can you come back same time next week while we record, and we'll do it then? Yeah, I can come back next week. Oh, that's great. Thanks, Tony. You're a legend. Thanks very much. Uh, Okay, then, so folks, tune in for Tony in the next episode. I've been Chris, a.k.a. True Mr. Six. And I've been Andy, a.k.a. We forgot Tony again.
<laughs> we'll get him on next week, I promise. We'll get him on next week. So, yeah, there we go, folks. Please do stay in touch. Remember, we asked a long time ago, actually, that we're looking for Agony Aunt and Uncle Chris uh, advice column letters. So send us in your Dice Masters problems and challenges. We'd love to have a swing, uh, giving you some advice and recommendations on those. The wackier, the better. Uh, otherwise, uh, we come out every two weeks, so we'll see you in two weeks' time. Bye-bye. There we go. Whole episode in the night. Check us out. Look at that. We can start making it weekly. <laughs> oh, Jesus, man. Well, it'll be about this editing time, isn't it? Yeah. If we could actually control ourselves, if you could say erm less, and if I could repeat myself a little bit less, we'd be all right, but we just don't seem to be capable of doing that. So. We thought we'd have got better, didn't you? But... No, it doesn't seem to be the case. <laughs> <laughs>